Hare Krishna, we're ready to resume this morning, this afternoon, wherever it is, what time it is. <laughs> Canto 11, Chapter 23, the Song of the Avanti Brahmana, which particularly referred, that's not even the whole chapter, but the Bhikshu Gita, which we have just begun, 42, verses 42 through 57, 16 verses on the Bhikshu Gita, and we're on uh, starting with, we're up to text uh, 44. Uh, the first verse of the, the, the Bhikshu Gita is the sti- statement of the thesis that the mind alone is the cause of, well, sukha dukkha, uh, happiness and distress and samsara, that it's the mind itself uh, which is doing these things. And there's a list uh other people aren't the cause, the devas are not the cause of distress, my own body, the planets, my past work, or time, those are not the cause. Uh, it's the mind alone that perpetuates samsara. Uh, and uh, this sukadukkha uh, uh, compound will show up again at the end of text 59. It was kind of a forecast of what's coming. And then what happens uh, after that kind of thesis statement, texts 43 through 49 deal with the, making the case that the mind is the problem. And then with 50, it goes on to then deal with the seven things that are listed here as not really the problem, but it's the mind. That's the structure of it. So that, that, that first one, he says, it's the mind, not the devas, not one's body, one's, and so on, not karma, not uh, uh, the graha, the, the astrological controlling planets, and so on. So then, uh, uh, text 43, uh, the powerful mind actuates the functions of the material modes, the gunas, from which evolve the different kinds of material activities, the karmani, the mode of goodness, ignorance, and passion. From activities in each of these modes develops the corresponding statuses of life. So it's the mind that initiates this uh, 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 or you can take guna to be the uh, qualities and objects that attract or repel, and then a person becomes inspired to act in goodness, passion, and ignorance, and then from that action, different kinds of bodies arise. Different, slightly different take on the, the same thing, but it, anyway, it, it's the mind that releases the gunas, and therefore these varieties of actions in the three modes and their associated states of being arise. So now, 
goes on now with text 44, uh, which is now about the the mind. <coughs> uh, you'll see the word uh, from mind repeated twice in this text. I'll read it. Well, let me just say this. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya so this goes Aniha Atma Manasa Samihata Hiranmayo Matsaka Idhichashte Manatsalingam Parigrihyakaman Yushamibadrona Sangato So So the running translation is although present along with the struggling mind within the material body. The super-soul is not endeavoring because he is already endowed with transcendental enlightenment. Acting as my friend, he simply witnesses from his transcendental position. I, the infinitesimal spirit soul, on the other hand, have embraced this mind, which is the mirror reflecting the image of the material world. Thus, I have become engaged in enjoying objects of desire and am entangled through to contact with the modes of nature. Uh, so it begins this way, Aniha Atma, the self, the Atma, and here this denotes uh, the Supreme Soul. Uh, here you have a thing, you have a word Atma, which basically means the self. Uh, that's the, the, the meaning of the term, the, the connotation, the sense of the thing. And then there's the denotation. Uh, in philosophy, they make, we make a distinction like this between sense and reference or connotation or denotation. Uh, the meaning of a term, and then the range of things to which the term refers. So Atma is confusing because the, the, the sense, the, the, the connotation, is self. The reference, according to conditions, can be the body, the mind, the individual soul, or the supreme soul. So you have to sort it out. And people sometimes sort it different ways. So here, Aniha uh, Atma, not endeavoring, Manasa uh, Samihata, the Manasa is the mind, along with the mind, Samihata, which is, which is struggling. Now, you, right away, you may not notice this from the translation, but things are carefully constructed in parallel. Because the word iha, which means to strive or to struggle or to endeavor, to act. So aniha and samiha. The atma is aniha, not striving. Manas is samiha, striving after. It's very neat, actually, in Sanskrit. Uh, uh, so there's a contrast between the self, which is not striving, and the mind which is striving. It says here, not endeavoring. Uh, uh, 
the word aniha often means indifference, apathy, uh, disinclination. Is not interested uh, in enjoying in the material world or uh, 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 anything. It's situated because why? What is his nature of this atma, which is the non-endeavoring? Hiranmaya. Uh, you may remember from the Ishwara Upanishad, Hiranmayena Patrena means literally made of gold. Uh, but it, it, it's a figure that indicates, as it says here, transcendental enlightenment. So if you're already transcendentally enlightened, you're not. What do you have to strive for? So, got everything you need uh, in your own self. And, and this Atma, who is not endeavoring, is Matsaka, my friend. Uh, is my friend. And Udvichaste, he looks down, this word Ud has the sense of uh, from a higher position. Looks down from above, they say. I mean, the basic meaning of the word is to perceive, but it does have this chaksh is the, is the verbal root, you know, to see, vichaksh, uh, to perceive, not just to see, but to see in a strong way, and then from above. And by the way, this is another interesting, we pointed out before, uh, this word is cited in the Mona Williams Sanskrit Dictionary. And again, they cite this particular text from this chapter as an occasion where it occurs. So this is a, it's a fairly rare word, but, this, uh, but they, they cite this one. So he looks down. He, the, he's the, he, he's the, the witness. Right? Uh-huh. And there's a famous image of the two, the two birds in the tree. One is eating and one is just watching. Uh-huh from the Upanishads, which kind of recalls that. So there's these two, the, 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 the here, one Aniha and the other Saviha. Um, uh, and so next, uh, uh, it says about the mind, Mana Solingam Padigriha uh, Kaman, that this uh, uh, then the, the, when it says here in the, in the, the Sanskrit, I, the infinitesimal spiritual soul, is the last word in the verse, aso, which basically means that. Here referring to the individual soul, that, which is really himself. Uh, uh, you can do that in Sanskrit sometimes with this aso. Uh, my friend. Uh, um, so he uh, uh, he has embraced this mind. Uh, uh, so so, so the, the super soul is aloof, but I have embraced it. Here the parigra, uh, parigri, you know, the grab hold of it. Uh, this soul, which, yeah, this parigriya goes with this testament. The, the statement is manas hulingam parigriya. 
And then Kaman Jushan is the next uh, statement. Uh, so uh, this embracing is, is this word here, swalingam, but they have this complicated uh, uh, idea of the mirror reflecting the image of the material world. Swalingam Vishwanath uh, 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 Chakravarti takes it in. The subtle body means the mind, but swalingam it means the, the subtle body. But the, the word lingam can mean a mark, a spot, a, a, a token, a sign, a stamp, a, you know, like that's a lingam. A banner, you know, the emblem that you carry on a flag can be a, a lingam. Uh, and it also can be, you know, the, the, the enclosing subtle body. So both of these are probably at work here. Uh, but the, this idea here that what, what, it, what, what it's, it does is stamps him, the embodied soul, with the image of the material world. Uh, and the soul, you have to excuse me for a minute, I need a Kleenex. I have a little bit of a cold. Excuse me. So he, so this this uh, uh, this uh, idea that he has embraced the mind. That that is to say, the embodied soul, the conditioned soul, identifies the self with the mind. Uh, we're not the aham brahmasmi. I am brahman. That means I'm not the body. It also means I'm not the mind, but it's the mind really that's the closest, uh, very close to us, uh, and uh, causes us uh, to be able to act in the world and to perceive the world and to think of ourselves as part of that world. The not, the not self, uh, the environment. Conventionally, we, this is the skin is the, the boundary between the self and the not-self. When I say me or I, I mean usually this conventionally. And here I am in this, are my surroundings or my environment. Uh, but, but if the self is the seer, that which is conscious, and the not-self is the seeing, then... I'm also not, not just conscious of, uh, of the outside world, I'm conscious of my own body. Uh, uh, so, so my actual environment, uh, closer in environment, is my own body. Uh, uh, I, my hands uh, manipulate and, and feel, but I'm conscious of their doing that. I live in this body. You know, I know what's going on in my intestines. I know the weight of my, my legs. I know my backache. I, you know, this is, this is an environment. But then you can draw back further. Then look at the mind. It gets impressions. It has perceptions. And I'm conscious of what my mind is perceiving. As Vishnu Chakravarti says, 
uh, in, in his commentary, the mind is unconscious. Consciousness doesn't come from the mind. I mean, uh, Sigmund Freud was given all this credit for having discovered the unconscious mind. But the whole mind is unconscious. Uh, and we are conscious of some part of it. But mostly we don't know how it's working. Just like there's some way I can get the idea that I want to move my hand and my hand moves. How did I do that? How did that take place? I, I have no idea what is going on. So, so, so this, it's, it's, it's the unconscious mind which uh, transmits or imposes upon the consciousness of the, the, the embodied living in it. This is your body. This is your surroundings. This is your world. This is the world you're part of. You belong to this. So this is, this is what happens. So that's why the mind is like a mirror reflecting the image of the material world. That's a fact. Uh, the, when they say the tanmatras, the sense objects, they don't mean the things that are out there. They mean that the impressions you get from the things that are out there on your mind. That's what we know. We don't actually know what is out there. We have, really, we have no access independent of our own perceptions this way. And that access is controlled by the senses. And as we'll see a little later on, the senses are controlled by devas. How do we really know what's happening? The, 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 the analogy of the world being like a virtual reality that's projected upon us, uh, that Sadaputta Prabhu uses it in, it is very, very accurate. And if you have the uh, virtual reality, so you may see one thing, and what's your, what we would see your world is is so different. Anyway. So this is our situation, and then he concludes here, because, because of this, that I have now become uh, uh, um, uh, engaged in enjoying the objects of desire, kāman uh, jushan, and nibhadha guna sangataha. Because of the uh, sangataha, Sangha, association, you know the word Sangha, so Sangataha, because of the association with uh, the modes of nature, I have become bound, Aso. That infinitesimal spirit soul, that which refers to himself, Matsanga, who has this friend, uh, 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 the other translation by Banu Swami uh, goes like this, based on uh, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur's commentary. He says, Paramatma, my friend, who has no material desires, uh, Aniha, though present with the jiva's mind, which is full of desires, that's the way he translates that striving here, but in another way, 
is devoid of material actions and simply observes. The jiva, however, accepts the mind, known as the subtle body, swalingam, and engaging in enjoyment because of association with actions created by the qualities in his mind becomes bound. That's, that's his way of translating the same uh, verse. Uh, let me get it. Um, so, the way Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur sees it, uh, if somebody, after the uh, uh, previous verse, describing how the mind creates qualities and objects and so on. And in the verse before that, you're wandering in samsara uh, by uh, 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 the mind which causes this wandering in samsara. Then uh, uh, then Vishwa Chakravarti Thakur said, about the previous verse, it explains how the jiva wanders, and then some may say, have a hearing that, so samsara belongs to the mind, not the atma. That objection may be there. And Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur replies, that's not true. There are two atmas in the body. One is paramatma, not contaminated by the mind at all. The other is the jiva, which is contaminated by the mind. It's very interesting, you know, there's really a clear picture there. The one is uncontaminated, the word of idea being contaminated by the mind. And then he says, you'll first hear about paramatma. Paramatma is present with the desiring mind as its controller, but is not connected with its actions because it is an independent conscious entity, hiranmaya. As my friend, he observes from a level of superior knowledge, where we discussed, without being affected. The second atma is the jiva, so that ut, that little prefix is, that superiority means not affected. Uh, the jiva accepting the mind, the subtle body as itself, the jiva becomes bound up, engaged in desires because of the jiva's association with actions produced by the qualities in the mind. Samsara for the jiva arises from this imposition of the mind. Since the mind itself cannot experience happiness and suffering because it is unconscious, no one really experiences heaven or hell. He says that's an interesting thing. The mind itself doesn't experience anything. It's unconscious. It's the, it's the jiva. Uh, but you get, the, you get the impressions and you assume it's happening uh, to you. Uh, so, uh, interesting uh, take on this. Uh, uh, so, th- so, that's why we have to see that, that for anyone engaged in spiritual life, the real problem is the mind. And Prabhupada talks about this 
too, in, in, in the sixth uh, chapter of Bhagavad Gita, that the mind is the center of the yoga system. The mind is, because it says that either the mind is your friend or your enemy. You haven't conquered the mind, it's the enemy. You've conquered the mind, then it becomes your friend. And that's what's necessary to do. And it is Durjaya, very, very difficult to conquer. And most people don't even try. And when you start to trying, it's very difficult. And that's why you see in the old days, the yogis would leave the towns and villages, go to the forest, perform severe austerities and penances, all just to do that to get that luminous consciousness. For ourselves, we don't take it as a solo project. We take it as taking the enlisting the help of Paramatma, who's our Matsaka, our friend. That help makes it possible. Otherwise, we're screwed. Especially these days. Especially as because, because uh, as it becomes apparent, the, 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 the sattvic guna, when one is in a state of, 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 of sattva, purity, uh, unagitation of the mind, uh, then it becomes possible uh, for spiritual experience and to control it, and to control the mind keeping it in sattva guna, that's how you control it. And then transcendence becomes possible. And then there's shuddha sattva, and the lower modes drop out altogether. And, and where is that taught? What, what, what country in the world has that as its goal? All their activities, even their religious activities, are mostly passion and ignorance. Uh, but this is this is the fact. Uh, and Prabhupada has this statement in the Bhagavad Gita that, that formerly the standard of advancement was the standard of the mode of goodness. Just think about these words. Now the standard of advancement is the mode of passion. That is to say, economic development. What does it mean to be a success? What does it mean to be a, uh, yeah, uh, a human being who had a good life is basically you made money and you gave some in charity. That's what it means. And the standard of the mode of passion. Uh, even the demons get charity. That's also in the Bhagavad Gita. Anyway, let's go on. Now, uh, we go to text 45. Now, this text, 45, has a list of seven items uh, that are considered to be part of, uh, special part of religion. Dhanam sodhanamma niyama yamo Dhanam sodhanamma niyamo yamascha, excuse me. Shutam Sakarimari Chasadvatani Sarve Manonik Yaha Lakshanata 
Again, the word mind occurs twice in this verse, and it's a list. Uh, well, let me just read the translation. Charity, described duties, observation of major and minor regulative principles, hearing from scripture, pious work, and purifying vows all have as their final aim the subduing of the mind. Indeed, concentration of the mind on the Supreme is the highest yoga. So here's the list. Charity, dhanam, prescribed duties is the translation of swadharma, one's own prescribed duties according to your, uh, can be your position in life. Uh, each, each varna, uh, brahmana has his swadharma, your particular uh, duties according to your position in the varnas or the ashrams or so on. Uh, the Sri Dharma, the woman's duties, and so on. They're all laid out. Everybody, uh, the laws of Manu, for each kind of person in society, there's what they are. Duty means what you are enjoined to do. There's a vidi, an injunction, that tells you this is what you ought to do. It's your duties. So these dhanam, and following your duties is also, you know, it's pious. Niyama and Yama. Here they give Niyama. Yama and Niyama are also the first two steps of Ashtanga Yoga. Uh, but here, Niyama, uh, the regulations of day-to-day life, and Yama, the major regulations of spiritual practice. It's understood that way. Uh, uh, so, uh, major and uh, minor uh, regulative principles, um, yama and yama. And then uh, uh, shrutam, hearing from scripture. Uh, karmani, pious work. Uh, that's almost like swadharma over again, but it's actually going through with it completely, observing swadharma and other things too. Uh, karmani. Karma, remember, means actually uh, it may be fruitive work, but it's fruitive work observing the injunctions of scriptures. Uh, fruitive work, which violation of scripture injunction is the karma, which is often translated as sin. So you can, you can earn money uh, legally or illegally justly or unjustly, uh, in a way that doesn't harm others, in a way that harms others, and so on. So that it's a pious work. And then uh, seven, shadvitani, pure vows. So vitani is in the plural. Pure vows, uh, purifying vows, they say here. They all have, as the Anta uh, uh, Paraha, the supreme aim, Nigraha, the subduing of the mind, uh, and then indeed uh, the uh, 
excuse me, uh, Paraki Yoga, you know, the Supreme Yoga, that Paraha, I'm sorry, that Paraha goes with Yoga. The Supreme Yoga, or the highest yoga, or the, the highest goal of yoga, uh, is Manasaha Samadhi, Samadhi of the mind. Vishnu uh, 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 Chakravarti Thakur remarks, I don't think there's a purport here, no, in the BBT. Therefore, one should endeavor to control the mind since it creates all obstacles. Charity and other acts have as their final result, control of the mind, because control of the mind is the best uh, type of yoga. So um, the word samadhi, it's the last step in, in, in Ashtanga yoga. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, here uh, it's translated in, in the BBT as meditation on the supreme in trance because we understand that uh, this... Uh, this uh, 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 is the, the, the idea of, of, of samadhi, concentration of the mind on the supreme. However, um, not all yogas does that. It's not, all of it is, it is not theistic, although Pantanjali is. But also there are others, uh, other levels of samadhi which don't get that far. So the essential meaning of samadhi, which is followed here by Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, is control of the mind. Uh, because technically that's what, what it is in yoga. Uh, I'm going to quote from a, a book by Edwin F. Bryan, who's a, a professor uh, at Rutgers University who wrote this Book of Commentaries of the Yoga Sutra, and he's a devotee uh, of Krishna also. And, uh, and so this, this is his book on the Yoga Sutras of Pantanjali with a lot of commentaries is one of the best books around, even if you're not a devotee. He's, he, his, his definition of samadhi, he, he writes, uh, samadhi in general might be best might best be understood, so Madhi in general, because there's different, it's higher than that, higher grain than that. Samadhi in general might be best understood, might best be understood in terms of the goal of yoga, the state when all vittis of the mind have been stilled. The word vitti is the fluctuating states of the mind, the different determinant states of the mind, where everything in the mind is completely still. As Krishna says in the sixth chapter of the Gita on yoga, that is like a candle in, in a windless room. Uh, it's, there's no flickering. There's no, no, no disturbance at all. That's, that's the definition of uh, uh, samadhi there. So he's saying all these things, these seven things that are mentioned here, is, is the subduing of the mind. Uh, 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 and that's indeed what yoga is about. The, the supreme yoga, yoga at its height, or the highest yoga, is uh, just that. 
So meditation of the Supreme and Trance sort of gets a little away from, although it's true, gets a little away from the purport that the samadhi means there's no flickering, no, no, all the vrittis, uh, 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 determinate states of mind, thoughts, everything, all that's, that's uh, uh, gone. Uh, so now in the next uh, verse, this take this this continues uh, uh, because it's uh, uh, it mentions these processes again twice actually. Samaditam yasya mana prasantam dana kim varatasya kityam asamyatam yasya mano vinasyat dana divischit param kedidihi. Translation If one's mind is perfectly fixed and pacified, then tell me what need does one have to perform? ritualistic charity, and other pious rituals. And if one's mind remains uncontrolled, lost in ignorance, then of what use are these engagements for him? So all these things are met uh, uh, to make the mind samahitam, perfectly fixed, and prashantam, these two things, samahitam, perfectly fixed, and Prashantam, pacified, uh, whose mind is like this, yasya manaha, that person whose mind, then uh, please tell me what is the use, tasya kritam, of these things, dana adivihi, dana charity, etc. So that's the list of seven, the list beginning with charity, uh, you know, in, in the previous dhanam, swadharma, yama, yama, shukam, and so on. What's the use of these if it doesn't happen? Since that's what they aim at, these processes, uh, 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 and then, so the first thing, notice this verse is very carefully structured, samahitam yashamana, uh, if the mind is perfectly fixed uh, and pacified, then uh, what need is there for dana and so on? If the mind is asamyatam, just the negative now, asamyatam, if the mind is uncontrolled, and vinashat, which is translating in the word for word as dissolving, <laughs> falling down, uh, getting wrecked, uh, uh, something like that. Uh, Vishnu Chakravarti calls it laziness, uh, uh, slack, you know, Vinasha has the sort of slack. If the mind is uncontrolled, either hyper, I samyatam, to me and these two, and Vinasham are either hyperactive or slack, you know. Uh, uh, mode of passion and hyperactive and lazy, indolent, couch potato, you know, so on. Uh, 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 anyway, that's just my take on it. Uh, uh, 
then uh, then what's what use of these? You can if, that, if your mind is like that, then you may go through the motions of all these things. But what difference does it make? Uh, and so on. Uh, Vishnu Chakravarti's purport uh, is, uh, translation uh, purport is the wise depend upon only control of the mind. That should be, you know, that's the real thing. You might as well go to the root problem. The mind is controlled, samhaitam, what is the need of charity and other actions? If the mind is uncontrolled because of laziness, vinashat, or is agitated, he takes this aparam, which is translated in the BBT as further, but he's, aparam means the opposite. So the opposite of samahitam is agitated. What is the use of charity in other works? So these two verses go together. All these, all these things are, are to control the mind, uh, and uh, that's, what, that's, what's really, uh, that's what is really the point. And if your mind is controlled, then you don't even need those other things. And if your mind is uncontrolled in different ways, then, uh, then what use is doing them? So that uh, 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 establishes, again, the centrality of, of dealing with the mind. And that's an important point, and I guess we're out of time. Uh, we won't be able to, we just have a couple of minutes, we won't be able to get to the next verse. Uh, we'll, we'll stop there and we'll take up our next class. I hope to get a little bit further anyway. The next class is 19th. Okay. So now we will open it up to see if there are any comments or questions and so on. This is interesting. Um, it is really good to study this because um, it gets down to the no problem most of us have. Never <laughs> mind. Priya has a question. She asks, what constitutes the mode of goodness from which transcendence can be pursued for the followers of Srila Prabhupada and of his disciples? Compared to what I was, I have made incredible advancement. I'm sure from the Bhagavad perspective, I'm not even a millimeter closer to Satvaguna. Um, what constitutes the mode of goodness? Well, you can read all the descriptions, uh, or you can uh, do it in a negative way. Uh, uh, but... Uh, uh, if, if actually uh, one, all one's activities 
uh, engaged in devotional service, then they're, they're, they're transcendental to the modes. If you're in Vishuddha Sattva, a purified goodness, then naturally the mode of goodness were there, would be there. But, but, but the, 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 re, the real thing is to be able to look at the material world and not see anything in it as an object of one's own enjoyment. Completely. Completely. I mean, the, the, mode, the mode of goodness, like the material mode of goodness, the, 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 the idea, the standard type is the brahmana. Uh, the intellectual, the scholar, these are activities. And a, a, a scholar in the mode of goodness, to the extent he's in the mode of goodness, would, would not be a political partisan, would not be involved in academic politics, would not be engaged in big... They always argue with each other, but would be free from animosity, but really not desiring to advance his own position uh, and, and his own fame, but rather simply interested in truth for its own sake. You don't see that much. Most uh, academic departments have hotbeds of, polit po of academic politics, uh, like crazy, uh, and they become partisan fights. Uh, but really, the, the mode of goodness, you're interested in knowledge for its own sake. Uh, see, mode of passion, people, are, people in the mode of passion are, are interested Consciousness, we would describe consciousness. Consciousness in the mode of passion is interested in things. It pays a great deal of attention to things, but it's narrow and really focused on the objects of desire or the things that will bring about the objects of desire and gets intensely involved in those things and therefore becomes involved in furious activities. And because they're objects of desire, there's also fear, and so it becomes quite exhausting uh, for people. And one becomes quite driven. Uh, so you're paying attention, but it's narrow, excited, and because, because it's not detached knowledge, it's also distorted. Then you have friends, and you have enemies, you have allies, and, and so on. That, that, that's what it is. Uh, so, so the consciousness in the mode of goodness is extremely alert but detached. See, consciousness in the mode of ignorance is kind of detached but also not, doesn't even know what's going on. It doesn't care about anything. It just is completely uh, not... You don't know what's happening. You're confused about what's going on. You're bewildered befuddled, mental illness is there, mis systematic misperception of, of, of things, you know, and there's spurts of activity, but then they, they quickly die out. You can't sustain anyone. If you make plans, they turn out to be based on utterly stupid premises, and they never get very far anyway because you lose interest in them. And so this is the kind of consciousness in the mode of, of ignorance. 
So look at our own consciousness and, 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 and uh, see how we, we are deal, dealing with, with, with the modes. And, and to me, really, um, for, for practical purposes, we have been given the assignment to chant 16 rounds a day of japa. And that's the prime time to deal with the mind. Because really, when we're chanting japa, the, 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 the stage of activities is really simple. There's you. There's your mind. And there's the holy name. Should be. And then you try to just concentrate with attention on the holy name and the mind will want to go off for some its own perverse reasons. Then you really have to take it by the scruff of the neck and put it back. And you have to keep doing that. Well, if you do that for a while, the things will start you know, to develop because first of all, you'll be chanting at least on the clearing stage. When you're chanting on the clearing stage, Anarthas start to go away, and the modes of passion and the modes of ignorance will start to decrease, just as a fact. Because what we're showing actually, on a, on, because we're personless, we're showing Krishna our interest in a relationship, and so he will then start to destroy obstacles. In a sense, we don't have to destroy any of these things. Krishna does it, but we have to want him too. That's why one of the offenses is maintaining material desires. You have to ask Krishna to zap them. Because we, we are the, part of our mode of ignorance, the illusion of ignorance, and, and even in, in, is the idea that there's something that we require in, other than Krishna consciousness for our happiness, separately and independently. We should have this complete conviction that if I establish Krishna consciousness, then sarva karma then everything else will be uh, performed. So this this japa is the perfect time to work on it, uh, and then one discovers you start doing just how like frisky the mind is and how it wants to run away, and then to at least my own great embarrassment finds out how much my mind wants to avoid Krishna. So then I have to think, wait a minute, why is that? Why do I want, why does my mind want to avoid Krishna? I seem to want Krishna, but my mind wants to avoid it. So then I have to say, like other great, like, like our great Acharyas in the past have said, my mind, you're not a Vaishnava. What's happened to you, you know? How did that happen? I brought this, I brought this mind with me to the material world and so I must have in my last life committed, I've come to Krishna consciousness, but still I must have been a real screw-up. Because here I've still got this mind that doesn't so live me. And then the next step is from doing this, then we start to become really humble. Because we are responsible for this mind that we brought with us and that has come to the world full of material desires. Prabhupada tells us that Krishna consciousness is a continuation from a previous birth. And when I first, oh great, I was a devotee before, but I realized the real meaning is I blew it. 
I was a devotee, but I still, because, you know, I mean, I didn't really encounter Krishna consciousness until I was in my early 20s, and I can tell you the things that happened between then and then were not so nice. And what, what, what made me want to engage in all these material activities and, uh, and pursue all these different things that were not healthy? That, that was my, my previous misdeeds. So then, then if you, on this reflection, then you, then you start to have a serious evaluation of yourself and you become humble. You do not acquire low self-esteem because <laughs> it's different. Because you understand now you know these things because Krishna is helping you and that he wants you back. So you're worth something. Because your own evaluation may be I'm worthless. And that would be accurate. But whatever that is, Krishna wants you to receive something in you that's worthwhile and maybe he'll bring it out. No, that's, that's our process. So, so, so to me, Japa is that special time really dedicated to control of the mind. And then as we progress in japa, then the name begins to reveal itself and its attractive features. And then japa becomes less and less of a chore and more and more of something I really look forward to doing, spend some quality time with Krishna. Uh, uh, because we, we attain ruchi. Ruchi means that we would rather perform japa and other devotional activities in any possible competing material activity. We'd be interested in that. Uh, uh, so that, that's... Then, from then on, we go on to the first four verses of the Shastika, Shastika had to do with our developing our relationship with the name. And the next, last, second, well, set of verses, the last four verses, with the named, with Krishna himself. This seems to be the structure of the, the Shishastika. So this, this is our, our, our method, and that, that japa is the closest thing we come to a kind of traditional yoga practice where you kind of don't uh, do, uh, do other things. And then when we're more active in the world, again, if we're doing things to be absorbed in Krishna, we can develop. We, 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 we can do that in such a way that we don't become contaminated. Japa, you're usually pretty much by yourself. If you're on the altar dressing deities, there are other pujaris there, and somebody doesn't know where to put the pin cushion, and you might get irritated because they always, you know, it's more tricky. <laughs> and so what? So, so that's why Japa is, uh, is, is nice in that way. We have a question by phone. Yeah, I have a question. Um, I know that um, you personally and also, you know, traditionally in ISKCON, we put the most emphasis on japa, you know, for controlling the mind. But then um, people I've seen, especially people... Um, 
mothers who, you know, have a baby and people have difficult jobs and, and they're not always able to clear away two hours in which they can, you know, chant only japa. And I, I mean, even, even in terms of, you know, in like very ideal situation, even if they break it up into half hour here, half hour there, whatever. And um, so it seems that these other things, like creating the proper atmosphere, a mode of goodness atmosphere, um, eating, you know, only prasadam and, and helping as much as possible, it seems like it also is making is important for controlling the mind. Like you, you can't, you, you, um, if people are in a very difficult situation, then just controlling the mind with japa seems difficult. I mean, pe- people do go, they go to the Holy Dom once or twice a year, you know, just to re-strengthen that. But on a practical level, it's not always available to everybody. So how do you proportion um, you know, how much emphasis to put on one or the other. It's, it's true. Prabhupada told, mentioned that when he did japa when he was at work, he chanted you know, 16 rounds and uh, four sections, four, four times, four, four rounds, four times a day. And that's how he did it. Of course, in India, they have lunch breaks that are generous, and and I, I really feel sorry for people who are employed in a modern full-time job where people have 20 minutes for lunch and they eat like horses standing up uh, at some fast food restaurant or at their own desks or, they, you know... I, it's horrible. It's not. It's not conducive. Um, and mothers with children is also a very difficult situation for not being distracted, because you you should not neglect. Uh, mothers should not neglect their children for their spiritual practices. Uh, and I can't give people advice uh, because I've never been in those con- either of those conditions. <laughs> myself on a very practical level. But all I can say is in whatever condition one finds oneself. Uh, uh, one, one, one should try under those conditions to in, in make a chance to increase those activities that are helpful to devotion service. It may not, may not be always the ideal time and place to do japa, but one can find something uh, to do. Uh, and uh, I, I, I think here just a sincere and serious desire to advance in Krishna consciousness, then uh, I think Krishna will really make an arrangement that under the circumstances, he will uh, help us improve as much as we can. And when in our particular circumstance of life, we have made as much advancement as we can make under those conditions, then he will arrange to change those conditions. 
I've seen that happen to some extent. To me, to me anyway, that's the general rule. And sometimes the conditions don't change, and I should think, well, really, what am I holding back? What are what are, what are my my secret? What material desires may I be maintaining? Remember, the mind is is not all illuminated to us. I mean, there may be things that are driving us or controlling us that we are not fully conscious of. Then we should pray, Krishna, please make me conscious. Please show me what are my defects or anathas or misgivings or doubts or whatever they are. Uh, and, and then those will also come to light. Uh, and then you just do that. And, and as long as we, whether we may not be this so much advanced, or maybe in middle advancement or highest advancement, but as long as we are making advancement, uh, then we 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 will feel uh, satisfied in the sense that we're getting somewhere and that our lives have a meaning and a purpose, uh, and, and and there will be hope that's tangible. Uh, and that's that's what what we we should do. So all we have to worry about is what is the next step we have to do to to increase our Krishna consciousness. And we may stop with little things here and there, and then go on to the bigger things. And then as soon as we can increase, what's the next thing? And then like that. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm. I'm just not sure. Like it, it always seems like, um, you know, to be the ideal is to chant, you know, very concentrated, very devotional, and very focused japa, and you know go back to Godhead and then other people emphasize, you know, being in the right varna and the right ashram. Um, but, you well, know, yeah, is it, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, it seems like you have to do both kind of, but at the same time, there, there seems to be almost like, well, if you, to focus on varna and ashram is kind of, um, you know, a fallback position, not quite as ideal or something, but... Um, well, what so ideal I, is what increases your, 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 your love for Krishna. Uh, people are different, and, and I, I think I'm talking about japa. Some other people mm-hmm. attain the same thing through, through study or through chanting in kirtan, or through preaching, uh, all those kind of things, a way to increase their concentration. Distributing books is another form of preaching. All, the, all these things are, are ways of, of, of uh, concentrating the mind. Uh, but at least for me, a kind of test about how I do with those other things is if I'm doing those other things well, my japa will be going better also. To, to me, it's, it, and maybe I'm not, maybe this doesn't apply to everybody, but to me, that's kind of the litmus test. Um, uh, 
Uh, and of course, you know, it fluctuates. If sometimes things in the world are disturbing, it's harder to concentrate on japa. Sometimes things are very nice and sattvic, and it's easier to concentrate on japa. Sometimes everything is is fine, and for some reason I'm having a hard time, and that that that's because you know the moon is aspecting this planet, or you know there's just astrological things. But uh, uh, so I, I can I can understand I understand all that. But in, in any in, any anyway that that. That that that's my my uh, my my take on on uh, on, on Jabna as a kind of the, the litmus test, and uh, it certainly 16 rounds doesn't take our whole day. And there's other things we have to be we have to, we have to also be uh, be doing. But it seems, it seems like it's really important part of our, our practice because I mean that's it's the, uh, our, our means of deliverance is the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. It's, it's Krishna in the form of His name, and uh, Lord Chaitanya came to, to uh, chant the holy name and to get others to chant the holy name. Be generous with it. That's that's what we. That's kind of central to me. Anything else? Yes, Rana Bhushana has a question. He asks, "Please kindly accept my humble obeisance." What an intriguing topic! <laughs> you have already touched upon this, trying to understand it better. So the gunas are constantly acting upon the mind, or as Krishna puts it a constant competition for supremacy. How exactly does yoga fence the mind from the influence of the gunas, thus subduing the vrittis? Well, uh, this is a long topic. Um, uh, how, how, how does it subdue the mind? Uh, um, uh, like Krishna, uh, I mean... If you, you uh, if you don't have Edwin's Bryan book on the Yoga Sutras, I advise you to, to to get that, just to see how it's done in a in a, in a context that's not entirely um, uh, uh, adapted to to Krishna consciousness. Uh, but but uh, but the the the, the, the what it says in the Bhagavad Gita, whenever the mind wanders due to its flickering and unsteady nature, bring it back under the control of the self. So the, 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 the wandering is, the, the, to me, it brings it back to pay attention to the, the sound of the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. Uh, uh, you don't let it uh, be disturbed by the disturbances of the there's a candle in the witness place, or just think of a very still water with no ripples or no wave motion or anything, and then one little disturbing thought flips in, and then the, the ripples go out, and it's really agitated, and, uh, and you know, so you have to keep all these things from dropping in, and, and so on like that. Let me just look, I think I marked some places in, in Brian's book here. Um, he says, um, well, let me just read this. Um, uh, 
uh, he, here he, he's giving commentary following the other commentators. And so here in the Yoga Sutra uh, about meditative absorption, uh, this is 141, his translation goes, Samapati, complete absorption of the mind when it is free from its vrittis, this is another stage of samadhi, samapati, occurs when the mind becomes just like a transparent jewel, taking the form of whatever object is placed before it, whether the object be the knower, the instrument of knowledge, or the object of knowledge. So this can be applied to just like sometimes people meditate on a candle or meditate on something, or it can be uh, paramatma or whatever. Or sometimes we can concentrate. Or, uh, object of knowledge for us would be the sound of the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra or meditating on a deity uh, of the Lord. Some way the Lord is present even to our material-minded senses. So he says, Pantanjali has considered, this is earlier, various objects that can be used to support the mind in meditation. Now he returns to the analysis dealing with stages within the meditative state itself, irrespective of its objects. So there's a whole lot of detail here. When the mind is free from all distractions in the form of the vittis, it becomes like a pure crystal. Money, says Vyas. Vyas is one commentator. Just as a crystal exactly reflects the color of whatever object is placed adjunct to it, adjacent to it, excuse me, adjacent to it, so the peaceful and fixed mind is colored, anjanata, by any object present to it, presented to it, and in advanced meditation actually inherently assumes the form of that object. The comparison expressed in this sutra by Pantanjali is encountered numerous times throughout the commentaries and has attained wide usage in Hindu philosophical circles, just as a pure crystal shines with a red color when placed next to a red hibiscus flower, so the calm, pure, and luminous sattvic mind, when freed from the effects of rajas and tamas, shines with the form of any object presented to it. This occurs when the mind is focused one-pointedly on the object in question. Pantanjali states here that the mind can reflect and assume the form of any object, whether, anyway, he mentions these three different things, or the purusha of self, or Ishvara. So this is just uh, uh, anyway, some of the things you uh, uh, understand here. Yeah, but another place uh, it says, uh, commenting one, one co- on the previous verse, uh, 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 he notes that one commentator says, once the mind has sustained steadiness in one area, this steadiness can be readily transferred to other areas. Perhaps most important, once the mind becomes stilled, 
its sattvic nature can manifest, and a re- as a result of which the qualities of sattva, insight and lucidity, also gradually manifest. Because mind comes out of the sattva guna. If you look, uh, and we'll be discussing this in the next chapter, but, 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 but when, the, when the false ego is in goodness, passion, and ignorance in the, at the time of creation, that, 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 that ahankara becomes manifest in goodness. So ahankara in goodness generates the mind, whereas ahankara in passion generates buddhi, and ahankara in, in ignorance generates the, the, uh, uh, the senses, uh, the sense objects, rather. Um, uh, so this is uh, this is the, um, the 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 inherent quality of the mind is sattvic. And so that uh, insight and lucidity also gradually manifest. These qualities in turn in turn start to pervade all aspects of a petitioner's life, and thus can transform one's understanding and relationship with one's own practice over time such that he or she opens to other aspects of the tradition. Ultimately, when sattva gains prominence, the inclination to cultivate wisdom and enlightenment manifests automatically. I think that's true. That's just sattva guna. And I've seen it in philosophers I've studied who are not you know, that advanced spiritually. But nevertheless, if in, in their thinking the sattva is there, they end up sometimes quite to their surprise, approaching somewhat toward transcendence. And then they're thinking, what is this doing here? And they can't quite understand it. <laughs> they weren't looking for it to begin with, but there asserts itself. And that's because of the, this inherent uh, sattvic nature of the mind. I don't know if I answered the whole question, but anyway... Something's still coming. Thank you, I understand. Okay, good. (laughs) Very well. So we shall stop there and then pick up in this interesting and vital topic. <laughs> uh, uh, the text 47 on the next uh, Sunday, 19th of October. Thank you very much. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai, Shri Bhagavatam Ki Jai.